In the words of the legendary Lou Gellerman, hello dog fans and welcome to the Sound the Siren podcast because everything matters including your Pac-12 conference champion and playoff bound Washington Huskies, the, uh, if I may borrow a line from Game of Thrones, the forever kings in the north. Um, that's uh, about all I have to say about that, not to make a reference to UW Animals. Uh, absolutely fabulous uh, post-conference championship game video. Uh, I am your host. Yep. Uh, I'm your host, Hooligan7. Uh, I signed in tonight as, uh, to use a, a little bit of another historical or, or great literary reference, uh, Cry Havoc and Let Slip the Dogs of DeBoer. Um I am joined tonight by I Ain't Right Back, otherwise known as Hood Husky. Uh, we expect to be joined by by uh, the Darker Knight here shortly. But uh, Hood, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well, man. Can't complain. Loving the the third win in a row. You know what I'm saying? It's quite the feeling. So, oh yeah. I mean, and I was told in every corner of the internet that you know we were going to lose that game by double digits. What happened? <laughs> I guess we are physical enough. Uh, yeah, I, I guess we can play some uh, what, what Booger McFarland would call big boy football. Um, <laughs> uh, we can certainly touch briefly on beverages. I've been on Team H2O. How about you? Same thing, man. It's Team H2O. Um, early, a little earlier, you know, I, I had some, some, some beverages, but high quality H2O as it stands now, man. Nice. Yes. Um, but uh, let's move right along into stupid tweets. And uh, I'm going to start with one that uh, I definitely, I, I call the stupid tweets Galazzo uh, <laughs> in our, uh, <laughs> in the podcast GC. Uh, and that one came from at uh, Steve J259. Oh, uh, replying to Softy saying, uh, re- replying to Softy's tweet about can't stop watching Friday's game. Send me your pictures and videos from the stadium from home, wherever you were. I want to see them all. And Steve J said, enjoy watching the last victory you will have in 23. <laughs> thank Which, you. Thank you, Steve. We we're quite enjoying it. Cause uh, in case you didn't notice. And as I said, uh, I think Steve, Steve managed even at a, you know, such a reputed academic institution as well as Zua. He, he, he clearly failed horology because in case you didn't know, Washington's next football game is going to be played the evening of January 1st, 2024. Ah, he did not. <laughs> he did not. So. Who's going to Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but how about you? Any uh, stupid tweets that uh, bear mentioning? Uh, you know, I got I got like a bookmark or two, but um, I was sent a solid one just uh, by QB11. Uh, reality check to the purple people. Jalen Cropper and Ronnie Rivers would be your two best offensive skill players. And Jake Hayner is two times the QB of anybody in your current roster. DeBoer wasn't rolling out plumbers and mailmen and scoring a bunch. He has good talent at Fresno. Aged like milk. Yeah. Hey, man. You know, people are underestimating the talent. And, you know, go ahead. I, we, I love it. Yeah. Go ahead and continue. Uh, 
speaking of uh, along those same lines, uh, 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 somebody that will be a multiple time appearance in this segment this week. Uh, we got to give a shout out to a thread uh, between Jordan Reffitt. Jordan is not the stupid tweeter. It is, of course, at Coogs Go, uh, whose first tweet was beginning of what? The Michael Penix era. Ha 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 ha. Hashtag Go Coogs. Um, Jordan replied, said the DeBoer era, and you're right to have that nervous laugh, buddy. UW will be just fine. Jim Moore, not a nervous laugh. If Penix starts, you guys will be trash. Same with you or Morris, maybe not so much. Just one Coogs opinion. And a terrible one at that. How many uh, swing and a misses, man? It's just it's funny at this point. More swing and a misses than the Seattle, than the 1980 Seattle Mariners. <laughs> it's just so funny how and the, and the narrative continues to be the same after 20 games, after proving it over and over again, after proving it in the way in which you want to see it. The narrative continues. Love it. Yep. Um, how about you? Any, any another? You got another one? I don't, man. I don't. You know, um, I stay. I mute the. I mute the idiots these days. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll I'll go one one more from uh a by somebody biased to that team down south, um, and that's from at Daniel Jones Junior eighty. Uh, man, I just looked. This is a tweet from uh, October twenty seventh. Man, I just looked at UW remaining schedule. Y'all might not even make it to Vegas, USC, Utah, O State, Wash State. Good luck. Uh, you know, hot air talker essentially. Mm-hmm. Survey says. Ding 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 ding. Uh, and then my final one. Um, this one is at Ivan Melendez fan. Washington has uh, the worst O line of the four. Low LL. LOL what he's a Texas <laughs> fan um and yet Washington's O-line is up for the more award mm. Mm. rocket science yeah ball. Mm, yeah well and then of course we can talk about it a little bit with as we well here let's talk about the conference championship game um certainly lots and lots to appreciate and uh, revel in from that one, but what were your particular takeaways or kind of favorite things uh, that you saw uh, exactly a week ago tonight? Uh, I would just say personally body language. Like it really just felt like, you know, one team knew they were the better team and behaved like it, whether they were up, whether they were down, whether it was the first quarter, whether the third quarter, the first fourth quarter, it just seemed like, you know, the demeanor of the players was almost like of Washington, like they expected to win, you know, and it was just it was a very interesting feeling, especially on that stage. You know, we haven't seen that in, you know, for our program in a really long time. It's kind of been like, oh, this underdog mentality where we need to overcome this and overcome that. We need to be the little engine that could. And, you know, like whether you maintain an underdog mentality or not, you don't have to show certain like characteristics. And this team is straight alpha Um, expects, expects things to go their way because they prepare as such. So um, I think that was my biggest takeaway, just kind of the, the energy in the game, the emotional kind of feel the way, um, you know, Oregon players felt it, you know, and, and just kind of like reciprocated it and, and just fell in line to be honest. Like they knew they had no type of no choice; they were going to bend at the wheel. So that was probably the most impressive. It wasn't even anything that was happening on the field. Just yep. 
yeah, and I will say, like, I, as the week progressed last week, I had, I became kind of more and more confident, and then, did I have my kernels of doubts, or, like, oh boy, you know, when the, the their comeback and their 21 straight points, uh, a little referee-assisted, but, uh, <laughs> um, well, not only on the on a pass interference that wasn't, but a hold that wasn't called that where Braylon mm-hmm. got tackled, a more egregious should have been grounding than what we got called on for mm-hmm. during the the offsides, what should have been free play in the Apple Cup. Um, but other than that, like uh, you know, shout out to to Jay Cap and Leah for our, our little mini text <laughs> thread, um, and I think it was a friend of Leah's that texted her. Um, during the during warm up and said that Mike was loose and when I heard that you know when I saw number one in in our you know the adult GC that J Mac was running around without a brace on his knee and that that Mike was loose I'm like we gonna cook and we gonna cook, cook. we mm-hmm. did um again I I will say maybe it's not a stupid tweet or a stupid decision and and it's certainly a very deserving player because he and he made a ton of just fantastic throws in that game. I would argue and say that the MVP of that football game was not number nine. It was number seven. Mm, I agree with that. Playing hurt like he did. Like, that was, again, we can, we'll go on a little further on uh, Mr. McFarland's comments, but uh, Dylan Johnson was playing big boy football from the jump in that game and had a huge hand in why we won that game uh, and not just a hand that threw the touchdown pass to Jeremy Bernard. <laughs> Man, he made a lot of their players like stop wanting to play. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Just the way he ran through them in the first, you know, two, three quarters. Like, you know, I'm not going to say business decisions were made, but like, there was a little bit of flinching. There was a little bit of like, man, like, how can I just get this guy on the ground? Or like, you know, you can just tell it wore on him. Um, not only did it wear on him, like how often we exhausted their defensive line with just the specific types of, you know, run play calls. Yep. Um, you know what I'm saying? So um, there was just a lot of mental exhaustion out there and, and kind of just some body language, like I was you know, referring to earlier, just some body language, like, you know, Jesus, they've got our number. Like, what? I don't even know what's coming, you know, so. I mean, like, think about the play that sealed the game. A third and nine, and we mm-hmm. run a, a pull, basically a, you know, pull, pull some linemen and run a toss to the to the wide side. Dylan finds a crease, and he could, like, he made Dylan shots again to you, young man, for the the heady decision to slide down and run mm-hmm. the clock out, but he legitimately could have housed that. Mm-hmm. Um, which there's part of me that wouldn't have minded. Wanted that, <laughs> but like, yeah, we're gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna throw two hail marys to beat you know and get in. You're not gonna be able to score ten points that quickly as <laughs> they have. Um, but yeah, just exceptional performances. Um, in a number of different areas. How 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 great is it to have? the impact of, of Asa and Cam Fab and including Agreed. the impact that Cam Fab made on multiple plays. <laughs> on multiple plays. You know, I mean yeah. even the play like right after that one where there was a penalty, you know, you still came up and made a play and let it be known that like you're always gonna be here. You know, so um I feel like obviously too, 
you know, that goes to the coaching staff of having those boys prepared. I mean, you know, I saw wildly, you know, for the first time all season on defense, I saw, you know, disguising the coverages, you know, I saw a three deep drop into a cover one look. Like, I was like, what the hell is going, what is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was a little odd. Um, but yeah, man. Um, yeah. Like, what I, happens when you're healthy. I mean, also too, like, I think there's just the stage that these guys were prepared for. You know what I mean? Like, I make the joke all the time about how, like, um, <laughs> I make the joke, you know, um, welcome, welcome in. What's good, brother? We are now oh, joined you know, by, you know. by, How's uh, doing? We, we're doing well. Uh, we've, I got to give you props, Darker Knight, for your sign on tonight. I'm uh, smoking on that quack pack because, uh, uh, there's a, there's an inferno if we're smoking on that quack pack. <laughs> Pass the torch. <laughs> Who's got the marshmallows and the graham crackers? Hey, come on. Because <laughs> we can make some s'mores on that quack pack. Start the fire. Man. Uh, but, we were just uh, talking about the, the conference championship game. We, we already had done some stupid tweets, um, but just talking about kind of the how fun that conference Yeah. At Oregon Twitter for basically mm-hmm. three months since the, the first game. Um, but the things we liked, the things we were impressed by in the conference championship game, but uh, certainly I can, you know, we can yield you the floor for the things that, you know, your favorite parts of what you saw. Uh, about a week ago, uh, right now, or, or about maybe a week ago. about a week ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was watching the game with Hood, and uh, you know, it was just some. It was interesting. Four games usually have like this, you know, nervous excitement. I was just more antsy because I just had a feeling they were going to show up and show out, just with all the disrespect. And I was hoping there was a a greater margin than what it was, but. Uh, I think the defense came out and set the tone. Um, I think Landon got cocky and wanted, you know, his defense to be on the field first. Um, oh, sorry, wanted our defense to be on the field first. Um, and he thought they was going to go up and down the field on them. And defense came out, <laughs> shut that up real quick, got got that three and now get off the field, and um, away we went. And uh, I, I love the fact that, you know, we've seen – contributions from Ace Turner and Cam Fab being back out there, I think it just added that that level of confidence to the to the group defensively. Just everybody being in the right spot. You could tell the communication was there. You've seen less less communication, you know, more so um pre-snap from the defense because everybody seemed to be on the same page. You've seen a couple signals and everybody kinda understood what was going on. I mean the fact that there was familiarity I think helped a lot as well. But um you just tell them boys wanted it. And when they start to hit Oregon, they didn't want no parts of it. If you've seen any of them cut-ups that's been floating around on Twitter, how we were finishing blocks, how them boys played in the trenches, how them, how we finished tackles, uh, you could tell the more physical team was. No matter what the national pundits had to say, um, they can call us basketball on grass, um, whatever they want to say. Uh, when they passed did the talking, there was, there was only one team that was reigning supreme. Um, and I think uh, defensively as a group, you know, collectively, I, you know, our secondary showed up in a big way aside from, you know, a couple of coverages. I don't know why we were playing prevent. That's another conversation. Um, but uh, 
you know, just with DJ setting the tone, running the ball, I think Mike's demeanor the entire game stayed the same. If you kind of looked at Oregon, their sideline when they would pin the bow in them, they just looked out of sorts. They looked like the moment was too big. You looked on the other sideline, you looked over at UW, everybody was like, hey, we've been there before. And you could tell everybody had that, you didn't sense there was no nervous energy. Like, I was good. There was some frustrating moments. I licked the hood, and I was letting them know, like, dog, we're good. Like, I'm not even worried yeah. about it. Um, See, what, what I was saying was what I was saying was that like our energy the whole time felt like we were going to win the game. Mm-hmm. Like and, and Oregon's energy was like, dang, dude, like we got to outlast these punches. Like it was it was that you can definitely feel that one team was just like, man, they brought everything that they got today. And I don't know if I can match that. Like, you know, uh, I was mentioning how the D line like just schematically with with the run game. They couldn't mm-hmm. pin their ear back for nothing, so they were guessing every single play, and it was just like they would just get blown off the ball because they didn't know they were just guessing the whole time. So, like, uh, just just the tone that was set, and then just the level of preparation of the offensive staff and the defensive staff is just on a whole different level for sure. Yep, agreed, and and I think credit where it's due. Uh, we've been uh, both uh, on the podcast, on the TL a little bit, and certainly in our own, uh, discussions at Husky stadium during the Apple cup, um, have been pretty critical or have had some questions and, and, you know, and Grubb has not had some of his best games down the stretch. Uh, coach Grubb called a great game, uh, on, on for last Friday for damn sure. He did. And, um, and I think he's going to do it again in, in new Orleans and hood. You made the point during the pre-show chat where he kind of plays to the competition. And so it's a big stage and uh, it's not going to be a whole lot of fun (laughs) for Texas. Um, (laughs) As long as we don't have anybody that gets nicked up between now and then, and and we have our full complement on offense. Um, The other thing I will say, and to to build off what you were saying earlier, Hood, um, I think it's different. It's not the, the Chris Peterson, oh, we're kind of lucky to be here underdog mentality. And oh, if, mm-hmm. if this, you know, we're going to try and outsmart you and out and out trick you to to get a lead, and then you know, be able to be comfortable. This team is it's it's not almost like it's that alpha mentality, but it's not even like underdog. It's like okay, you think we're an underdog? Okay, it, it's we're going to show you. We're going to show you. It's something. like it's like, are you going to match this energy? Like we've pulled up. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'll take a punch. We'll keep taking a punch. I mean, we might take a punch and get up, but are you mm-hmm. going to keep getting up? Like, in, in a lot of teams, you know, especially at that age, you know, you're in co- collegiate age, you know, you're out partying, you're in college for certain reasons, and then you start feeling a team that's like, oh, shoot, like, this is a little different. You know what I mean? Like, this is a, a bunch of grown men, which we are, you know, a senior upper class laden team that really wants it. And then you're like, man, I just, I don't got that. Like, I don't, I just don't got that level. Right. And I think we saw that. That level of want. I mean, like, especially like even in like to what you were saying, like even when Oregon went up, it was no panic, no, no nervousness. It was just like, all right, we're going to go out there and execute. We're going to do what we do. And I mean, Jordan James scored a touchdown, looked in the camera and looked nervous. <laughs> yeah, that you know we coming. Um, where my husband? Like, we've seen this story before, Jordan. It's okay. He and he knew it. He knew it was coming. 
he knew it was like was it was it was their response and we just put the foot down again and and bro had had yeah, our it, way i mean just a sense of calm too that j mac provided i mean in the mm-hmm. office just, just looking at him line up in the slot no knee brace no nothing it just it did something to my spirit mm-hmm. i was like this is this is what it was supposed to look like all year and we, yeah if he'd been healthy what happens tomorrow is not a question. Oh yeah, in my opinion, like I still think it shouldn't be a question, but we know. I mean, the southern yeah. vote and southern bias is a big thing. I mean, and and all and all credit, like, and we can get into that conversation, but like, and and it's no disrespect to Jaden Daniels, who's had an incredible season, like fifty touchdowns in the SEC, even if it's not as good an SEC this year as it's been in years past, like. And 3,500 yards passing and a thousand, or you know, running like it's a crazy season. But one of these guys is 13 and 0, and one of them's not. And one, one is was a one and three against ranked opponents with no Heisman moments and Mm -hmm. ran up the score on teams like Georgia State, and the other one was. So one game with the touchdowns against the top five team in the country. Yep. Cool. Yep. Struggled against all the tough opponents. And everybody wants to use it. I've seen a couple times. Well, he's doing it with no defense. Well, what's the perception of our defense that y'all been saying? It? <laughs> so which is it? Well, is our defense good and helping him win? Or is it trash and soft? And, like, and our pick, offense pick is battle. Right. I had, a, I had some banter with a an LSU fan. I didn't even realize he was an LSU fan until he rebutted my comment about Mike being worthy of winning the Heisman. I think it was something that Fox had put out, who's your Heisman winner? If, you know, now that the season's open, this guy was going on about Jaden Daniels. Now I'm literally looking like, man, it's a lot of love for Jaden Daniels. I look at his profile, and the first thing that pops up is LSU Tigers. I'm like, okay, so he's just, you know. Now, mm-hmm. like, so... So tell me what he did against the most significant teams you guys have played this year in a down SEC year that was seven and nine against ranked teams outside the SEC. Mm. Oh, the, S- the SEC. I, yeah, I figured. The SEC's best non-conference win is Louisville. <laughs> this I mean, Louisville. What are we talking about, man? Like, like nah, and is- Louisville's actually a decent team. But if we're going to discredit Florida, like to get into what part of it, like we, I think we can segue into the next piece of the conversation, the CFP. Um, I have less of an issue, to be honest, with us not being the number one seed. I think we should have been, and we should be playing in Pasadena. I have less of an issue with how we were seeded than Florida State being left out. Oh. Because Florida State did everything that they should have, and you cannot tell me that they don't deserve it. They they should be in this playoff and like they have, are they maybe a better team without Jordan Travis than Alabama? Maybe, maybe not, but that's not the point. Like it's like, Oh yeah, it's the best teams. And it's like, no, it's the teams that like, where you like the committee's primary responsibility has to be like that. Whoever is wins the national championship game that there is unequivocally no bones about like that they deserve to hold the trophy. And if Alabama wins it, they don't because they shouldn't mm-hmm. be there. Um, and and again, I was joking around with Hood. It's like, oh, and you've set up thanks committee. You know, from from all of us Washington fans, you've set up another scenario where 
titles might be claimed or shared between us and mm-hmm. the team from Florida. Thanks. <laughs> like, the, I mean, Washington will have the resume without question. Like at that point, we would be ten ranked. We'd have ten ranked wins, including three top five. They were invalidating. They were trying to invalidate Florida State all year too. Oh, all year, and they, they and they propped up Georgia all year. Georgia yep. was not the number one team in the country. I was like, like, look at them. You can't yes. tell me they're the number one team in the country. Right. Like, and yes, we, yeah, like they struggled to beat Auburn. Uh, and I, I mean, yes, we had some games that we struggled to put away. I'm not going to say that we didn't. Um, but everybody hyping up Alabama is deserving to be there. They needed a fourth and 31 miracle to Bro. beat a team that lost to New Mexico yeah. State. By three touchdowns, and should have lost a cow, right? And should have lost that one. Like, and I'm pretty sure that New Mexico State game happened on the plains in Auburn because there's no way in hell that late in the season the University of Auburn is going to go to New Mexico is going to go to Las Cruces, New Mexico (laughs) to play New (laughs) Mexico State. It's so disrespectful to Florida State that they did that for sure. But I think one thing you saw was, you know. I think within a lot of the tweets we saw, we saw a lot of people trying to manifest like Florida State in it. Like everybody kind of knew they were like mm-hmm. not in it. They would say, this is what it should be. These are the four most deserving teams because we knew the fix was in. Like right. we knew they were going to either put Bama and Georgia in or they were going to put Bama in. And we just all tried our hardest to like – because. One thing that the committee did say was that public per- perception was going to impact some of the judgment. And, like, I think a lot of people just were openly, like, if you do this to Florida State, attaching t- words like deserving and, you know, uh, conference champion and undefeated, like, just trying to really – I think we all knew that this was going to happen, and we all tried our hardest to be like, it's going to be fair. It's going to be fair. But, and I mean – We all knew it was coming. And shouts to the MBG podcast. Like I was listening to it to it the other day. Like you can't tell me that with a month to prepare, that with how the Florida State's defense is playing right now, uh-huh. with a month to prepare, Tate Rohnemaker is not some. You know, it's not like plugging me in at quarterback. With a month to prepare, with how that defense is playing, and again, excuse mm-hmm. me, I'm Michigan is a one dimensional offense. Like because exactly. what is Michigan? Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. J.J. McCarthy. I mean, like, yes, Penn State has a reasonably good defense, but some of the reason that Big Ten defenses look as good as they do is Big Ten offenses are fucking trash. You play you play J.J. McCarthy as if he's your third-string quarterback in the first place. Mm-hmm. So then what's the problem with Florida State having their third-string quarterback? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't. You obviously don't trust J.J. McCarthy with decisions if, you know, you're passing for 10, 15 attempts. Run the ball two straight times. So, I mean, at that point, like, what's your your reasoning makes no sense. And they, it was worse. They came out and said that it was because of the injury. Like, oh, if you yeah. just said, we thought they were the better teams, we thought it was four best teams, we thought the winner of the ACC, regardless, was, was it going to be better than the winner of the, the SEC? Like, if you came out and made a different criteria, fine. But you saying that it was because of the injury. Yeah. Yeah. What were they messed up because the, if, put, if, oh, sorry. No, no, they put Florida State at four a couple weeks earlier and then moved them down to five. Right. When all they yep. did was win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like if they were going to use the injury as the excuse, that should have happened when Jordan Travis went down in the first place. Mm-hmm. Not when, particularly in 
and this also got, you know, again, shouts to the MBG podcast. Ohio State won a national title in the last decade with their third string quarterback. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, like, just. And it's the best teams, not uh-huh. the best quarterbacks. And take like, a sure quarterback high level four star quarterback. He just doesn't have the starts under his belt, but you right. give him a mm-hmm. month to prepare in Mike Norville's system with those weapons. Like, yeah, who's Johnny Wilson can't and Keon Coleman? Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, get out of here. Because you see, Texas Texas wasn't, you know, falling because Malik Murphy was playing. You know what I mean? And he was playing pretty average or bad in some cases. <laughs> and there's an argument to be made that, uh, that Texas had, like, there's an argument to be made that, like, I mean, like, it's interesting because there's an argument to be made that, like, it could have been Alabama and Georgia, not Texas. Because mm-hmm. Texas, like, yes, they have the win over Alabama head-to-head, and how can you put Alabama in without t- putting Texas in? But I'm like, Texas also lost Oklahoma, and that's not mm-hmm. a good-looking loss. I would have understood I would have understood them putting Texas in and putting Bama in, but I will never understand them not putting Florida State in. Well, like, I think at some point you can be like, that was a September win. Mm-hmm. Out of those two teams, which team has play- played the harder schedule and which team has played better? And then at home by 10, by 10. So I think, I think the head to head matters, but how early it was. And then just, I think you can make that distinction. Lose matters. And Alabama is a different team than they were Uh three months ago. I don't think you can, I don't think you can do that with Florida state. I think you, you had to, no matter what, have them in, but hey, I I was telling, I was telling uh, the darker night. I was like, um, it's going to come down to the markets. And who they think is going to travel, and who they think is going to, you know, make money. And I was like, at the end of the day, everybody was shuffling the third and fourth spot, saying there's three teams or whatever, four teams for two spots. I never believed that. I always thought Texas was going to be third because just of the branding and what they're going to bring to it. And then if it's between Bama and Florida State, what team's going to travel? If you have to be forced to be all the way in Pasadena, Florida State's going to travel just as well as Alabama, though. Yeah. Travel Absolutely. ratings, oh, like that's. I'm just thinking they went to the program that is more consistent versus mm-hmm. the program. Are you going to fly all the way out there and you know your third string quarterback is playing? Yes. You know what I mean? Or are you just For- happy to be there? I think taking that calculated risk was just like we're gonna. I'm just putting my bank on Bama and just you know the steady machine. I mean, I know Florida State's won a title, won the won the title with Jameis, but mm-hmm. like they also dipped for a like. I think it's one of those, like, their dip wasn't as long. It was like the Oregon dip in our first playoff year. But, like, uh-huh. I think that there's, like, there's a kindled passion that, like, I, I mean, like, Bama's going to travel because Bama's going to travel because Bama, it's, it's Bama and whatever. But, I don't know. I mean, I will say in, in the scheme of things, on the end of Trishere, and then this has been pointed out, like, this is in terms of a final four, although I would argue actually would say it would be even better uh, a uniform combination final four if Florida State was in in place. <laughs> I agree. But, I mean, these are going to be like... The great matchups, it. too. Great matchups, great storylines. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, certainly we've got Washington against Sark, and shouts to everybody thinking that out there stupid tweeting that you know Texas is going to just run us off the field because <laughs> I think to to what Dion was saying too about how like 
and just kind of to the point of who got in was how like Washington as like a football brand, like kind of messed a lot of things up. Like, oh shoot, like, you know, they're the curveball school that's in it, right? Regardless of ranking, right? But just you know, if you're if you're stuck between picking between Florida State and Bama as like the fourth squad, like Washington's probably the team that they would be like, damn, we wanted to lose. We wanted them to have one loss or we wanted because we can justify that. It's the Pac twelve and it's the They've been wanting that all year. They've been wanting that all year. Mm, sorry to disappoint well, not sorry to disappoint you. Well, but I, I and I also think that there's a there's a case that could be made in in with what happened over the weekend. That if we'd lost that game, Oregon's out too. Oh, I because agree. We, because mm-hmm. they don't have anywhere near the resume that we do. It would have been Texas and Bama and Florida State. Mm-hmm. Of course, just, and Oregon would Oregon would have been in this position. We should have been above Bama. They jumped us. We were the best one loss team. They were setting it up, bro. It's so funny. Like they had fail safes either way. What's crazy is Florida State needed Georgia to win. Mm-hmm. And if Georgia would have beat Bama convincingly, that would have well, shut up a lot of the Bama so, the Bama to some fans extent, to get to get you might again. To get what I really wanted to happen. I wanted Georgia to win because Georgia would have been the one. Georgia would have mm-hmm. gone to the Sugar Bowl, likely to play Florida State, mm-hmm. who they're gonna play in the Orange Bowl, and you would have had Michigan Washington in Pasadena mm-hmm. in the last year of the Pac-12, what a traditional role. Like, it yeah. would have been beautiful. And, like, yeah, and then from there, you know, I, I have confidence that we can – we've got some stuff for Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, know, either way, we going to smack whoever we playing. So, that was my thoughts on it. But, um, but yeah, it would have been a, it would have been a, a, a nice ode to the Pac-10, tradition of the sport. Pac-8, yeah. Pac-10, Pac-12. Um, to have Michigan, you know, across from you in that setting, you know, mm-hmm. one last time, yep, like one last ride, and you got the Rose Bowl and the, you know, the tradition. I'm sure they would have played a bunch of UW and Michigan highlights from, you know, Mario our battles in the '90s, and just and that's uh, what might happen. It just might happen. It'll just ha- it might ha- it's going to happen. It happened at the Natty now. Yeah, come on, but. uh I, I'm still on the fence on who to root for in that game. <laughs> man, listen, man. I want, I obviously want all the smoke. I want the toughest opponent just so people can't say nothing. I want Bama to win because I just think, I think Michigan, between Michigan and Bama, I think Bama is a more complete team. Um, I think both teams suck on offense, but Bama is the more explosive on offense, has the more explosive potential. So I think that poses the biggest threat. Um, I think if it's Michigan, it's going to be boring, and it's going to be a blowout. So Put it this way. The best team that we played this season is Oregon, regardless twice. of who we play in the playoffs. And we were two possession – we were two <laughs> better team than them. So, no, I don't care who you put They better than Michigan, Texas, and Alabama. Yep, I agree. Go ahead. You could, you could put up whatever stats they want, strength of schedule, productivity – Stats, go ahead. Oregon's gonna be better. I think than how you, I mean, I think how you beat us is obviously interior defensive line, but I think when they know who you are and they know what you're coming with, I think they prepare for you. Versus like 
Arizona State, they were like, we got this, we got this. Oh, damn, DJ Green is like the third leading uh, pressure person in the country. We didn't even know who this guy was. You know what I mean? So, Bear Alexander, same thing. Got him out of the game, you know. Oregon D-line, got all of them out of the game. So, I think once they know that they got to focus on some people, then it's a completely different. Like, you think Tavondre is going to be able to run sideline to sideline all game? (laughs) Let's be real, bro. Like <laughs> they're taking him out of the game before the third quarter. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm sweating, coach. I'm Tavondre sweating. <laughs> yeah, Tavondre supposed to sweat. Bacon <laughs> <laughs> grease coming all out his pores. All right, let's go ahead and move on into our mailbag uh, with the questions Ooh. that we got. And first up from our buddy. Uh, Joel Dombrow, has Booker ever seen you dub play? Is he familiar with the NFL prospects on our roster? That is definitely in reference to his questioning and putting Washington for and questioning our ability to play big boy football. Uh, clearly, Booker was not paying much attention to the conference championship game because that was pretty textbook big boy football uh, on how to ice a game. Um, and, you know, 5'11", 220-pound running back. Um just giving Oregon all the business, uh, not to mention our offensive line up for the more award. Um, but I repeat myself. Um, so my said Joel to answer your question, doubtful. <laughs> I mean Booger's Booger's 0 for four against betting against you, Deb, so I'm glad uh-huh. he's going on with that trend. He's he did it twice. With Oregon, USC, and Oregon State, he, he thought Oregon was a more physical team leading up to both games. I'm like, and he's seeing what happens. So he still want to make those comments. It's just him hoping to prove himself right. Just playing. Yeah, I was gonna say. I don't even think he believes it at this point. Like, I think like it was just it's just more of a reflexive answer to say when you're talking about Washington. Just like being physical is a reflexive answer to say when you're talking about Bama, or Michigan, or Georgia. Like, if you haven't seen someone play consistently, then you're just going to say what, you know, everybody else says is the safe answer. So, no, I don't think he has truly paid attention. I think he knows that we have a bunch of um, NFL players, for sure. But mm-hmm. you'd have to be blind not to. Um, <laughs> um, before I get any further, before we go any further. In, get in the way. I will say, yeah. Those are some big boogers if they're getting in the way of the eyeballs. Um, <laughs> but some uh, big man. <laughs> we should, we would be remiss also without giving a big shout out to uh, Coach DeBoer for winning the National Coach of the Year award yeah. for Mike, Mike Penix, winner of the Maxwell. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully uh, by the time you're listening to this, if you're listening to this after uh, the evening of December 9th, uh, we're, we're going to have to, we're going to owe Mike some congratulations on a Heisman Trophy. Uh, Most he's also outstanding a, player. Most outstanding player, uh, first team All American, I believe, um, from the AFCA. Uh, Rome being second team, um, but well deserved. Well, Should have won the Blitnikoff, but that's not a conversation. Agreed. Yes, no, no arguments here. No arguments here. I didn't. I didn't realize it was a popularity award. I thought it was production. Yeah, I mean, and Marv had a great season, but clutch. If you're looking for the clutch plays that are that re- truly like difference making, like the receiver, and for that matter, and I also I've said it before, I'll say it again: the receiver that should be in New York with Mike Penix right now is Roma Dunze, not Marvin Harrison. Mm-hmm. 
period. Mm-hmm. I don't care how bad your quarterback play was and how you managed to overcome that and how you carried your offense because of blah, 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 blah. Winning the point of football is to win the games and Rome made more plays to win his team games. That than, clutch moment. Like, That's so tough. Look at, look at the clutch moments. I mean, Rome had almost as many Heisman moments as Mike. That is so. Uh-huh. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine how Rome feels like you just the catch again, the game-winning TD against Oregon, uh-huh. the reverse, Oregon being State. the only receiver that could catch the ball, and like those those catches down for in an in another atmospheric fucking river. Uh-huh. The game he had against Oregon again against Cal when he scored a touchdown two different ways in the punt you know, time, right? Just dominant. It don't um, seem too difficult of a decision, you know? <laughs> it really doesn't. I mean, you, you put their stats next to each other, and you're like, come on, what are we doing? Like, what are Even we doing? neighbors, I mean, it should yeah. have been the third It should have been a third receiver that, you know, the guy from Virginia that got, like, just... Troy Franklin had better stats than him. It's just wild. It is what it is. Yep. Uh, all right, next mailbag question. This comes from Corey YT27. Corey, uh, who's asked some questions before, so shouts to you, and thanks for continuing to listen. Uh, most improved area of the team throughout the season for him, or he said, for me, it's the interior OL, the way we started running the ball to how we finished is a credit to the OL and specific IOL. Thanks again, and appreciate all you guys do. Go dogs. Thanks, Corey. Thank you, Corey. Uh, appreciate you. Um, Shout out to Corey, man. I, like I mean, I definitely agree that it is one of the most improved areas on the team. Um, I think part and parcel with that, um, just in terms of him getting healthy or playing through the injury, uh, is Dylan Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd, I'd also, honestly, like, I'd start to put the, the line, like, I mean, I kind of always expected the interior line to be pretty dang good um you know i think parker proved what we were hearing in fall camp about him superstar that's a really hard one for me so i'm gonna i'm gonna let you guys talk and let you guys influence what my my ultimate decision is here (laughs) i mean i know we lost a ton of depth on the line in spring and that was kind of disheartening. We had a lot of holes coming into fall camp, and the O line was really up and down. But once it started to solidify, you kind of seen the offense take off in the games we struggled, especially to pass the ball. But I think that kind of married into Dylan Johnson kind of breaking out as well, kind of mm-hmm. happened simultaneously. And uh, it seemed like his running style really helped the offensive line, you know, and they kind of fed off each other how aggressive they were being. I think early in the year, they seemed really passive. Um, like, really quick to pass protect, but against the run, we were just really, either running backs weren't seeing the holes, or they were kind of being created too late, or, you know, they were kind of up and down as far as, like, blocking scheme, and just kind of seemed like we weren't playing on the same levels, and not the same rate of speed that we're playing now. Now it looks mm-hmm. like a professional operation, where it's just, like, clockwork. You know what I mean? Like, you fall forward, you're getting four yards with this offensive line. Now, it don't matter who you put in front of him. You know, like Parker, his gift is his explosiveness, his get-off, his, you know, pulling ability, his athleticism, and he gets hands on you before you can react. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you get your guards who can also pull either direction. Um, you have athletic tackles who can move laterally just as well as they move forward. Uh, 
So now, I mean, we got a gap scheme. We got a, a big on big scheme. Um, so it really doesn't matter. I mean, the guys are doing a great job. And I think credit to Scott Huff as well, um, who just continues to, you know, you almost don't even think about it because you know he's going to have those boys ready. But the job he's done this year, I think, is probably his best job since he's been here. Sure. Also, just to compliment that room, I mean, you got starter and Mateo Mele who goes down. And then, you know, potential starter and guard Melamar who goes down. You know, Julius Buelo during the season goes down. Um, and, you know, you got to play ring around the rosy with your offensive line, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to get to this point. You know, so I think that um, when you're looking at grading that, um, that position group, I definitely think it's one of the ones I would say that I'm most impressed by or it's the most improved for sure. Uh, the Joe Moore does, doesn't exist. You know, everybody knew about the bookend tackles. You know, the Joe Moore doesn't exist without the interior offensive line playing at the level that they played at. Yep. So um, that's just shouting them out for sure. Um, and just for me personally, the position, since that's the one Corey's impressed with and uh, you guys seem to as well, like the, the one that I'm more impressed with, and just the fact that they've stayed healthy outside of just one um, player kind of going down super early, and that's the cornerback room. Um, everybody knows how I feel about me, some DB play just in general, but some corner play. And the fact that, you know, I knew I knew um, coming out of LBC and then I, I knew, you know, watching Thaddeus Dixon's highlights that he was going to be, you know, an asset to the team. But, you know, coming in clutch in the ways that he has this year, um, specifically the conference championship game and locking up, you know, mano a mano, you know, some cover zero. Uh, when it matters the most, um, is ex- significantly impressive, especially your first year at this level. Um, Elijah Jackson, just the perseverance and the resilience all year. Have uh, have elite game, have a down game, have a mid tier game, have a bad game, have a really good game, um, and just keep his keep his head about him. You know, he was one of the most um, happy happy players you got to see once you know all the celebration was going on for the Pac twelve championship, and that you know made me smile just seeing. You know, him being able to, you know, participate with his brothers and, and be be joyous in, in that regard, you know, with, um, you know, here maybe potentially even hearing a lot of noise outside. But just his consistency and resilience at one of the toughest positions, if not the toughest position on uh, defense. And then um, uh, and finally, man, Jabbar Muhammad, man, like a guy who coming in, you know, his size had me skeptical um, when he played, you know, the elite talent in the big Marvin Mims, Quentin Johnston. Um, you know, I felt like, um, he, he had some, some work to do for sure. And he's come out, you know, at the university of Washington and really embodied embrace West coast DBU death row, those types of things. And, um, has, has been Jabbar Island over there. So been really, really impressed with that room and that group, um, and you, for some, for a group com- being considered a weakness, um, coming into the conference championship game to get on body PBUs, um, to be able to showcase, and this is just something that recruits see, you know, if, if you're getting targeted and you deflect the ball, but they still catch it, it still don't look good. But when you're able to make an incompletion, get a PBU, do your specific celebration and showcase, you know, some swagger on the highest level. I mean, that matters so much. So um, yeah, just seeing that room and, you know, not only their play, but their energy they're bringing on defense. Yeah. I, you know, and, and as as we've been talking about it, I, I'm also going to shout out like, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit, <laughs> and I'm going to shout particularly down the stretch of the season, and I'm going to say it's D line. 
both mm-hmm. interior and I exterior. Like um, like I think Thule getting healthy obviously had a huge impact, but much more disruptive, you know, basically from, I'd say probably the USC game on, yep. uh, a lot more disruptive play. Like they gave Oregon problems last Friday <laughs> night. Um, mm-hmm. Just and they're going to give some problems to Texas as good as their offensive line is as well. Like these are not small humans um, <laughs> at all. And includes the freshmen. Yeah, that includes the freshmen. That includes. I mean, I know Texas has some good tackles, but Braylon Trice is going to give them some problems. Come um, on, like Braylon Trice. Uh, by the way, one other small thing to mention as we're not going to do a full Texas preview until closer to the game. Uh, but Zach is dirt-free! Hey, come on, bosom. So, we're going to have uh, yes, a, little, a, a little extra waves uh, to throw uh, at Mr. Ewers and, and, the, and the Longhorns. Um, and I think that unit has really improved as it's gotten healthy as well. Um, and looking forward to, to seeing what they do in the postseason for sure. Mm-hmm. I agree. Put him in a derf. Hey, he gonna he's allowed a couple offsides, maybe one or two rough from the passers. Because he's gonna be overly and oh my bad, I'm not supposed to do that. Oh my fault, you know. I just got off the scout team, yo. I'm just trying to trying to play (laughs) at full speed, you know. I want scout team player to hit. Did you know that? Did you know that? They're going to see the NASCAR packet with Earnhardt and Gordon in there. Bro, hey, I'm saying, <laughs> hey, look. Daytona hey. 500 style. <laughs> hey, come on. It's going to be the, the Seattle 206 style real fast. Yeah. For sure. All round right. Round we go. And then the final one, and this is uh, Trevor also asked the, the booger question, but but his um, – his other question, I, I actually really like. So, thank you, Trevor Mueller from uh, from the Fourth and Inches Pod. Shout out, what are, Trip. Uh, what are what are your all your under the radar plays of the year? Um, I've got a few, but uh, under the radar. I mean, there's definitely some obvious ones. Um, we can kind of rule it as, as a triumvirate about whether <laughs> anything that we name is is qualifies as under the radar uh, or. Uh, is you know is, is too obvious, but uh, I'll start with one. Um, Got one glaring one. Yeah, go ahead. No, you start. Go ahead. All right. I'm going to say one of the under the radar plays of the year uh, is uh, Dev Culp going uh, basically uh, Velociraptor claws on a third and sixteen hey. in in Arizona, uh, yeah, which, set, which which set up a Dylan Johnson touchdown run to put it up to 28 to 10 um, mm-hmm. as that game tightened down the stretch. If Dev doesn't make that play, that game gets significantly more interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a great call. Go ahead, Darker Knight. I, Cause I got two, I got two baby. What's crazy was I'm trying to remember what happened after this play, <laughs> but I just remember the feeling in the stadium. Jack Westover's fourth down catch against Oregon mm-hmm. stands out to me because it was just one of those eh, 50-50 kind of, you know, look kind of odd at first. I not always thought that they had caught it, but really looking at the replay, seeing how close that was, did some 
where I think it sparked another level of confidence, not only in the team, but the stadium that, okay, I think we can pull this out no matter how close this game is. And they really ran out of, you know, just ended up being back and forth. But that was just such a huge moment, you know, when I look back at the season, to me, that really stands out. I'm always look back at that moment. Uh, I'll go with I'll go with my first one. So I'll say, you know, I'm mid sentence next to Darker Night in L.A. saying, you know, Dylan <laughs> Johnson is hella good, man. You know, he gonna give us six, eight, ten, twelve yards, but you know, for a couple years in Mississippi State and a, a year here, he's not broken anything past twenty. Oh damn, he's gone, <laughs> like, bro! I swear it was like the same mid sentence, and he broke for sixty. You know, and for the touchdown, it was literally like the the same play or the next play, dog. I was like, man, he's good, but like he just don't break the long one. Oh, he gone. But that was mine. Because I think that was the beginning. I think that was the first big run of that game, and that was yep. the, that was the beginning of the new Dylan Johnson. You mm-hmm. know, the guy that led in Pac-12 yards. You know, in Pac-12 play. I think that was the beginning of him. Um, and then, you know, to to serpentine it back, I'll say, uh, <laughs> well, I got to do one more with Dylan. Dylan, when he carried like four, five, six people versus Arizona, I felt like I got to know to learn him very well. Oh, that's the type of running back you are. Okay, but then the, to a glaring obvious obvious one, I gotta go, you know, unsung hero, hometown hero, Quentin Moore, you know what I'm saying, to put the game away, you know, versus Oregon. Um, that, that's gotta be, that's gonna be in, in the history books right there. Yeah, that one might get, uh, I might, we'll allow it, but it's, that's pretty... <laughs> <laughs> that's in the fairly obvious category given it, a game clinching touchdown in the final Pac-12 championship game like that. So then we'll take Dylan's 60 yard. Let's do uh, that. Yeah. Um I also will say that like uh one of my fa- one of my favorite plays of the year um was not the Dylan 50 yard touchdown run, it was the Dylan 50 yards out of our end zone backed up. <laughs> and uh, and, mm-hmm. and if you guys haven't listened or, or are not listeners to the the podcast of champions, uh, go back to the to their review their, their podcast where they were going around the conference their review of that week, um, and how they described that particular play, and I just died laughing about like oh yep they they tricked the Alex Grinch defense they ran a toss Ooh. to the right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, I'm on a similar mindset or, uh, darker night. I think it was your turn. Actually. You got any, got another yeah, one? I was about to say another close one was, it was probably the Mike Penix roll after Devin Culp in that USC game. Yeah. Where it just showed so much. Cause you know, I, that was I, the love, biggest play I love Dev. You know me, I've been, I've been critical of Dev in the past at certain points in time because he has all the ability in the world. And he just, sometimes he just had the, for whatever reason, he had the amazing talent to make him the easiest things look hard and the hard things look easy. Look easy, yep. yep. Now, like, if he can just put it all together, he can be special. And he's he's doing that this year. He's turning into one of the better blocking tight ends that I've seen after you did. I agree. Uh, especially this year. He's, he's taking it to another level to really make himself more complete. But the concentration that takes to not only reroute yourself, but to have the quarterback lock eyes or at least see you. 
have the confidence to throw it your way and then for you to high point and have the wherewithal to get both feet in bounds was yep. unbelievable. So huge kudos to him. I mean, that was, yeah, that was one of the highlights of all highlights, especially this campaign. Yep. Um, I've, I've got another tight end moment. Um, I'm going to another uh, mention for the pride of Mount Sai high school. And that's uh Westy on with his Westy. catch on, on fourth, and, on fourth and two against Utah, which was shortly th- then followed by the go ahead touchdown. Uh, the 33 yarder from Penix to Rome, um, another kind of crucial play that allowed that drive to continue and allowed us to take a lead that uh, ultimately we would not relinquish. Uh, and then my final one, I think the big defensive play that, that everybody's going to obviously remember from the USC game is for for all of the reasons this ETF strips out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I argue, th- but I will also argue the one that's kind of under the radar equally important uh, was when we held the 45 to 40, 42 lead and on third and 13, Voy got to Caleb and yep. did not let him go. Mm-hmm. Another one, too, that just also, too, I'll say, obviously, one of them is very obvious, but the other, you know, just was more of a momentum shift. Um, I'll say the first one, obviously, Misha's play. You know, I think that was big time in regards to, like, um, setting a tone for the defense and being like, oh, yeah, we can win a game here. You know, in the midst of all this offense, getting all this love, you know, we got a platform to shine, too. Um, So I think that one. I forgot what I was going to say about the other one. Dang. Misha's pick six. Yeah. Oh, and then, and then, the, yeah. So that's Misha's a, that's pick an six, over one, then, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say the other one was just also emotional, too. Picking up uh, Zota after his fumble. You yeah. Know, getting that safety oh. right after. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was big time and, as well. And Carson came through like a man. Like, that wasn't Himes just was a, back there, too. Well, yeah, I mean, and Thule broke through initially, and then made the made the running back cut into Carson. But Carson was coming like a heat seeking missile. Mm-hmm. That one, like that was a that wasn't just a. I'm in a. But we're going to just kind of contain you in the end zone. They were uh, stopping him. That was there a, were like five people in the back. Your ass down in the end zone, son. <laughs> <laughs> there were like five people in the backfield. Yep. Hunting like a pack. Come on, mm-hmm. rally to the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think kind of a, maybe one, if I can give one more, uh, if you guys can kind of remember back to the first game of the year, and it, it started off a little, yeah, a, a little, huh, this is a little interesting, where, where's our offense? We're feeling ourselves too much. And then we hit, uh, Mike hit J-Mac in the middle of the field on like a, it was, you know, for a pass first down yardage, but then Jalen took it another like 17, 18, 19 yards on a 33 yard gain. And then from there it was kind of off to the races to what we <laughs> saw of that offense really cooking in September. So that's kind of a, a table setter for the season. Two, two on offense, two of my favorite plays are uh, one, they're just Polky's head tap, you know, where he, he squeezes the ball on the mm-hmm. Cal defender. And then uh, I think that's my favorite 50-50 play. And then my favorite, like, route him up was J-Max head nod and splits the safeties versus Boise State. You know, he runs at high the corner the post and high points the ball, jumping over to safety. Full speed, bow, bow. Corner post, boom, split the safety head nod. Man, if that was going through the whole season, oh, my goodness. Well, no, and I some know. of 
some of J speaking of high points, some of JP's high Damn, points this year. Jesus. Yeah, the one, one in the the Michigan State game, the one like he mm -hmm. made an incredible high point catch in the in the SC game. Um, Oregon's game, uh, the Pac-12 championship game mm -hmm. on Kyrie um, Yeah, that was hell of a adjustment. I loved, uh, yeah, a couple, couple, well, one playing in one game, but uh, the adjustment to the ball by Rome in the Cal game when Mike threw it to a spot. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Rome happened to look over his right shoulder first, located the ball, looked over the left shoulder, adjusted while looking over his left uh, shoulder, and his body falling, and still having to catch the ball. And now it was incredible. Especially playing that position, you understand how hard that is. How difficult that is. He yeah. made that look effortless. That Flip was really interesting. Oh, yeah. It showed how supremely athletic he is. And well, another one, I mean, I don't think I've seen a defensive player dominate a game quite like Jabbar Muhammad against Oregon State. Oregon State, yeah. Where he was everywhere and had DJ double clutching that you would throw his way. And when he did, he made him pay. Mm -hmm. That, that to me, in a downpour, just, I mean, your defense has to play with confidence seeing a guy play like that. And I think yep. him kind of emerging especially towards the latter half of the year, has really brought a lot to that secondary, especially EJ. I've seen Elijah play with more confidence as well. Yeah. Um, the little things with, you know, you can look at him and say, like, he's not doing little things, you know, like locating the balls, you know, some of the time in the air, but you can't say he's out of position. <laughs> and so I think a lot of that's just building his confidence where we're going to look at this next year and he's going to be that guy. You know what I mean? But you have to have a year like this where you get tested and get tested and get tested. Now you know what to expect. Same thing happened with Kyler, and we can name a bunch of corners mm -hmm. that we had that had that rough. He's year. a sophomore. Sydney, Kev King, like that. Mm -hmm. He got burnt. The ones, I, and you know he's going to be that we talked, guy. we talked about it. Like those guys got burnt quite a bit mm -hmm. or a fair Early. amount in, in 15. And, and then look at what they were in 16. Mm -hmm. And and also too along that road they lost UW games. Elijah didn't lose nothing. Mm -hmm. If anything, he came through clutch for Arizona State. You know what I mean? Like when it mattered the most. So yeah, the other one I, I think will say another. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I just say the the final big play. I'll say is just um, obviously a big one, uh, an obvious one too. But Jacob Lane and you know Void Tunuufi um, getting the pressure on you know Bryson Barnes late in the game, forcing mm -hmm. an interception. Late in the game to put the game away, Dom Hampton interception. So that was a that was a big one too. Yeah, the cheeseburger interception. Uh huh. Where you squeezed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the final one I was going to mention is that like with all of the the huge games and plays that he made, it's going to fall a little under the radar. Um. But Rome's second touchdown at Oregon State that that ultimately was the mm. the difference in the the margin of victory. Um, mm -hmm. That was a hell of a catch. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was a hell of a catch. You basket catching a back shoulder fake. Jesus Christ! Late hands. You gotta have. Oh my god! Everything. That's a last hard. Because that way, that's awful to play in. If you are playing in anything mm -hmm. similar to that, you understand like how just difficult, especially with the wind and just it's nasty. 
Shoot, we was trying it. We was trying to play in that in Eugene. <laughs> um, I'm gonna ask the question again. Like we've talked about it a little bit, um, but I want to get a pulse check, and I'll ask the the broader group the next time we're on. But right now, Reggie Williams or Roma Dunze? Reggie Williams. I think if you give Reggie this offense, I think this Jesus is different. Oh my, don't do that. Yeah. Cause you gotta you gotta even the playing field and what's different, yeah. like taking Rome back or bringing Reggie in. I think taking Rome back is kinda like uh he wouldn't get those targets, you know. I think they're one A, one B of the two best receivers to ever play. You know? Oh, I think that's easy, yeah. Um, as far <laughs> as they dang, Reggie can do everything too. I think Reggie really uh, people don't <laughs> people don't realize how just <laughs> need, we need to be able to unlock all of Reggie Williams either. But to be six, almost six four, he was ever two twenty five. I I stood on the field pregame a few times while they were warming up. Reggie mm-hmm. Williams was six foot four. Oh, he's huge. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, I went to I was going to Dempsey and watching practices up close. Um, because New Hives will come into our practices as well and invite us. Uh, and seeing him up close with Cody and all those guys, it, it was impressive. His run his run after the catch to be that big was special. Yes. Mm-hmm. And oh. I know Rome can do that. We don't ask him to do it all that much. Um, I think that might be the separator. Um, I mean, hands. He, I mean, you rarely see Reggie drop anything. Um, obviously, Rome has him explosive-wise. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, Rollins a, Rollins a generational. I think he's a generational athlete. I yeah. agree. And I agree. I would. <laughs> Reggie's like built to play football. Rome is just like that three sport athlete athleticism. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I think Rome is. Far more athletically developed to play in this area. Era yeah. of I think Agreed. Reggie was great for that era, but this the type of receiver you need. Rome is your number one receiver going to the mm-hmm. league. Reggie was too, you know, until he proved he wasn't, and then injuries and whatnot. But you got to pick one. I got a Reggie. Got to pick one. I got Reggie. Respectfully though, yeah it. Rome is like, I think we said it in the GC, like Rome with the season he has had, he has made it close. He has made the mark. He closed the gap for sure. I didn't like, well, I mean, I think it's it's a combination of how much we've had to lean on Rome this Uh year. This is not anything disrespectful to to Rome Uh whatsoever. I don't know if we're having this conversation if J-Mac is healthy. Exactly. All year. And how much, like, I mean, Rome had... Rome has absolutely like 100% capitalized on the opportunity mm-hmm. of J-Mac, J-Mac being mm-hmm. out presented. It's hard though. Like it's like, it, it's, it's very hard. Reggie it's, was a nightmare. Reggie, like, and, and this is coming from a guy that like Reggie, I was at one of my, one of my favorite memories basically up until the, the DeBoer and Peterson. Husky football, one of my favorite Husky football memories 
is being in Autzen Stadium. Oh, what he did to Oregon. What he did to Oregon. And, yeah, like, that game is one of my most... Like, he just... Absolutely. Yeah, two hundred yeah, plus yards receiving. Yeah, I mean, we had three long, <laughs> like he had three forty plus. Like, oh yeah, no, and like mm-hmm. the, the final one, he was coming right at us in that corner, and I'm like, he was. I mean, he was dominant. Like, if Reggie was in this offense, it wouldn't it matter. Jalen Polk was on the team. Jalen McMillan was on the team. Polk or not? Listen, I don't care if it was Jalen Rose. It could have been Jalen Rose. It would. It <laughs> uh, girl, you, you can put whatever Jalen you want to put out there. It was going to be the Reginald show. Uh, yeah, Reggie still, I think, the go receiver. I think Rome was definitely number two. I want Rome to break the record, though, just so, just so he could leave with some. Yeah. yeah. You know I, I mean, mean, leave with some. Yeah. I'm glad. I, shout out to Kirk Herbstreet, though, for showing love to UW. And you know, he does his annual Herbie Awards. and. UW walked away with three of them. I think Mike Penix won. Uh, I think most outstanding offensive player. I think Rome won. Game changer, something like that. And then Dylan won, like, your toughest player. Like, your they're hard no. So, And then Kalen DeBoer won as coach of the year as well. So, he, he – I mean, down the stretch. His stock is – His stock it showed, is – It showed, you know, he definitely called a handful – around a handful of games for UW, but we definitely made an impression on him. Stop mm-hmm. going up. He's mm-hmm. expensive, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. The board's like, going, I'm going to give you a blank check. I'm going to leave out the door. You're going to let y'all talk. <laughs> Come let back. <laughs> that number is going to start at 9.5. Mm-hmm. It better start at 9.5. Don't lowball them. Don't, we ain't doing that. Nope. Because, I mean, Jonathan Stewart just got what? High eight? Low mm-hmm. four? Low nine? Sorry. No, Kalen, Kalen needs to be no less than nine five. Mm-hmm. Give him, give him all the resources you need. We got the alumni. We got all that. We got the NI. And me in the darker night. Like if y'all get, y'all can raise a hundred, hundred million dollars to go ahead and give to him. And me in darker night will take point zero five percent. Please and thank you. Just sign here, initial here, and I'll take that money today. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the the other okay. question that Bear's mentioning is like, how many running backs have played better down the stretch than Dylan Johnson and across the whole country? Shit. Listen, you can't name nobody. And we haven't been unlocked Dylan in a passing game. We just said, yeah, huh. We're going we exactly. to stop just by – you're a base mm-hmm. running back. Like, yeah, we just going to up your stock going this way. Now he has a chance to leave. Just go to leave make some money. That's what I was saying. Like, Mike Leach could have easily been using him wrong and then judging him based mm-hmm. off of using him the wrong way. Like, maybe he thought he was going to have a different experience there at running back, and it didn't turn out to be that. And those older coaches get stuck in their ways. They want to use a running back a specific way, and he's not doing that for him or to the way of their liking. And all of a sudden, they give up on him. Like, and he ended up being one hell of a receiving receiver. Mm-hmm. So that's the crazy part. Well, that, well, that's the, just part of his resume now. Well, the funny thing, the funny part was like that. That was what we were expecting him to come in and do, mm-hmm. not to be the like he was going to be the compliment, like to some extent, the complimentary, the pass catcher, 
to Cam who, as the primary back, and we have yet to really use him as much as we could have. He got the 20 catches, right? He probably got to like 18, 19, 20. He was close. Which is, which is crazy. Uh, considering what he had before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right under 20, I think. Maybe 20. All right. Well, we can talk uh, on future pods about Transfer Portal. It's going to get oh my lord, really oh. spicy and really. Uh, it, there's some interesting players out there. We were, we were talking about one before, and yes. Uh, oh my god, he would be uh, a program changer. The, uh, uh, the the hint that I will give in this context is just a, a little bit of a musical reference, and that's do 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 do. Uh huh. Uh huh. Please go. Final thoughts. <laughs> uh, I'm just, uh, I'm overly confident. Uh, well, I wouldn't even say that. Like, I'm just, I'm confidently confident uh, in, in you know, our first round matchup. Um, and I'm going to exude that energy. Um, I think the team feels that way, especially after watching them in the Pac-12 championship. feel like that was their stage and their stage only. Um, I think this team has just a level of, you know, upper class leadership and just this desire and will to win. And you can, and, and coupling that mentality and that experience with actual talent and high level talent is something that there is um, none of the other three teams have. So I'm, oh, I'm super excited about, you know, this little mini four team tournament and definitely think um, we have a great chance. Yep. Can't wait. Can't wait. I say, can't wait. I have that white hat. I know you guys have seen me wear it at a bunch of games. And when I got it before the year, I looked at it and I was like, this has to be an omen. And Mm -hmm. the hat, if you guys don't know, if you guys have never seen me at games, the hat says the campaign and it has UW in the background of that in font. I just felt like this year was going to be a special year. Uh, once in a lifetime type of year, where we're going to put that big trophy in the trophy case on Mount Lake for the first time since '91, and my confidence has never wavered in that. And I truly think, no matter who we play, we're going to find a way to win. I, I truly think the toughest games we've played have, are behind us. Mm-hmm. That's like to whoever's left in the playoff. That's just reality. A lot of I these can't teams wait to get my. We played Can't a lot. Wait of- to get my hands on y'all. So that's my two pennies. I like it. Well, in the words of words of uh, this is for Texas and this is for Alabama and for Michigan. In the words of Ed Orgeron, we coming. We coming. <laughs> we coming. Go dogs. Go dogs. Beat Texas. can support this podcast at podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash sound the siren pod uw slash support. Thanks. Go dogs.